Welcome back to the Trauma-Informed Herbalist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Guthrie, and today we're going to be discussing flower essences and a little bit more of the energetic side of plant medicine. And before we get started, I encourage you to go to my website, www.traumainformedherbalist.com. You can read more about my work, my consultation options, and of course, information about my book, The Trauma-Informed Herbalist. Today we're going to start out by talking a little bit about the most commonly used flower essences, the Bach flower essences, and then we'll talk a little bit about other forms of flower essences, ideas around how you could make your own flower essences and get to know the plants that are local to you. And I want to touch for just a minute on research and how we really don't have a lot of good information that explains how well the flower essences do or do not work. So before we get into the history of the Bach flower essences, I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the fact that flower essences are really the intersection between plant medicine and energetic medicine. For many of my clients, they're a wonderful place to start because they're so gentle on the body and they work so gently on a lot of the emotional things that are happening. Flower essences are like homeopathy. They are very highly diluted substances so that what's remaining in the solution is the vibrational pattern of the flower, not the physical components of the flower. So if you're on several psychiatric medications or maybe medications for other conditions, maybe you have some concerns about the interaction between herbal capsules or tinctures and the medications that you're taking, flower essences can be a wonderful place to start. They can give you a lot of beneficial emotional healing without having to be concerned about interactions with pharmaceutical medications. And even though the flower essences, the Bach flower essences that we'll be talking about a little more in depth today, only originated in the 1930s, you can see evidence of vibrational medicine coming from plants throughout many different cultures and many different healing systems. But the history that we have for the Bach flower essences starts in the 1930s. Dr. Edward Bach was a homeopathic doctor and he liked the system of homeopathy, the whole idea of like cures like, the energetic, uh, energetic benefits to the homeopathic remedies. And so the flower essences were born of that thought process. We need something energetic, but he believed instead of focusing on the physical symptoms, which is a lot of what homeopathy does, it looks at what the physical symptoms are and what similar substance would cause those symptoms and then gives the homeopathic remedy based on that. Dr. Bach said, no, we need to be looking at the emotional symptoms and how we can help people on an emotional front. And so Dr. Bach created 38 flower remedies, most of which come from actual flowers, though there are a couple that are based off of other substances that are natural. And you can use these remedies individually or you can blend them together. I believe it's up to seven that can be blended at one time and still be pretty effective. But most of the time for my clients, I use usually three, maybe four essences in a blend. So more often than not, I'm using simples where I'm just using one at a time. But when I do find a need for a blend, I rarely need more than three or four in a blend to get the best results. 
if you're reading about the different flower essences and you catch yourself being like, ooh, I do that sometimes. Ooh, I do that sometimes. You know, by the time you hear the, I have my students talk about this when I'm teaching on them. By the time I'm done, they'll say, well, I need all of these. At some point, I have done all of these. Yes, these are all very normal emotions that we feel, right? But when we feel ourselves having a lot more of a certain emotion, it's becoming out of balance. Either we're repressing something else or we're giving too much energy into a certain emotion. That's when we need the flower essence. So yes, there may be times that I need holly because I get upset and I start jabbing at people, but that's not my normal personality. I might be more inclined towards mimulus or some of the things that help us with worry. So if I took holly, it isn't going to make much of a difference with how I'm feeling because it's very rare that I will have moments where I jab at people out of insecurity, right? But mimulus will make more of a difference for me because I tend to get wrapped up in worrying and thinking inside my own head about what I'm doing. So that's why it's really important to recognize that we all have some of the flower essence traits, but which ones do you have most frequently? Which ones are regularly an issue? What in the last three weeks has come up again and again? Start there. And once you've done that, then you can look at others and see, are there other things I need to add in? Normally, if you'll start with the things that are cropping up most frequently, use those essences for a few weeks, then you may uncover some more underlying problems, but generally you will start to see a lot of really good results. So today I don't have a lot of time to talk through all 38 of the flower essences. You can read my book to get a little bit more information about them. There are lots of good books out there about flower essences and how to utilize them appropriately. But I did want to talk about five of the Bach flower essences today. Agrimony, rock rose, oak, olive, and wild oat. Agrimony is the revealer. So normally when you see descriptions of agrimony, it's talking about people who maybe will hide their emotions with a smile or a jovial attitude. A lot of the times there may be a fear that they'll be overwhelmed if they begin focusing on emotions that have uh, feelings of negativity around them. For those people, agrimony can be very helpful to help them feel that they have the, the strength to be able to face these emotions and to be able to work through what they've got going on. But I've also found agrimony to just be a great revealer in general. So if you're not sure about what's going on, if maybe you just can't quite pinpoint what's wrong, sometimes taking agrimony will help to bring that emotion to the surface. Agrimony is also great if you find yourself keeping busy in order to not have to stay still. So a lot of the times, you know, when we stay still, things catch up with us. We have to deal with emotions we don't want to deal with. Agrimony can make that process a little bit easier. It can help us to not feel the pressure to stay so busy and it can be very helpful especially if you've had a lot of trauma occur and you find that staying busy keeps you from thinking about that trauma. Agrimony can help you find a better balance. Wild oat is wonderful for everybody. Wild oat helps you when you're not sure where you want to go with things, you're lacking clarity, you need to get connected to your higher purpose. It's definitely one of these things when 
somebody is at a crossroads or they're unsure of which way is the way that they want to go, especially if you're coming out of domestic violence or intimate partner violence and you're trying to find your own way again and you're trying to um, disentangle almost like you're trying to to brush back out like what was my interest and what was my abuser's interest what were my thoughts and what was my abuser imposing their thoughts onto me this can be very helpful during that time I love using wild oat in a tea before meditation so if you have a tea that you really like that's very relaxing and you find yourself drawn to meditation, now again, remember, if meditation isn't working for you, then we don't want to go down that path right now. That's actually going to be the next episode, so stay tuned for more information on all that. But if you do like meditation and you find yourself drawn to that, then maybe put a couple of drops of wild oat into your tea before your next meditation and see how that feels. And next we have rock rose. Rock Rose is great after an unexpected, sudden, traumatic type event where you find yourself kind of jittery and jumpy in the aftermath of it. It helps to restore a sense of calmness and clarity in those moments. It's great if you find yourself in a sympathetic nervous system state very frequently. If you find yourself on edge and very jittery, uh, jumpy. I think you've probably heard me describe it before as like, my mom one time described it as the scene in the horror movie right before you know the monster's about to jump out or the killer's like right behind the door and you almost have like that tingling up your spine. That's what Rock Rose can help with. Because if you're having that constantly on an ongoing basis, that'll just wear on you. Rock Rose is your friend in those moments. Rock Rose is one of the ingredients of Rescue Remedy, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. Um, And it's... That blend is a very interesting blend, and there's been some research. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute, but yes, Rock Rose is fantastic. I call it my chihuahua phase, where I get kind of trembly and shaky and ready to bark at anything. That That's where Rock Rose can be really helpful. The next two essences that I wanted to touch on very quickly are oak and olive. Oak and olive are my burnout flower essences. So when somebody is dealing with burnout, they're probably going to either get oak or olive from me based on how they're responding to the burnout. The caveat for both of these is that it's almost the same as adaptogens. You can take them, you will begin to feel a little bit more energy, but if you keep pushing, then you're just going to end up even more burnt out than before. So you have to take oak and olive with the intention of giving yourself a break as frequently as you can. Now, that being said, I know that going to the spa and pampering all weekend isn't necessarily going to be a a possibility, but trying to get better sleep, trying to catch those moments throughout your day when you're able to just rest and relax for a few minutes, letting go of the extra worries that aren't serving you, those kinds of small things can really make a difference when you're taking oak and olive. Oak is good for when burnout is occurring and somebody is almost fighting it, like they're irritated that it's occurring, they're fighting, they're kicking against the goads, as it were. They may vocalize how frustrated they are by things, they may really be, it's almost like this last gasp of of fight before everything falls apart, right? That's the time where oak can be very helpful. Now, olive is a little bit different. Olive is best when somebody is already completely burnt out 
and they've just gotten to a place of resignation. So oak is for when you're still fighting, when you're aggravated that the burnout's occurring, when you're in that that kind of like fight or flight type phase. Whereas olive is when things just kind of dissipate into almost a freeze phase, right? If we're going to play from that angle, oak is almost sympathetic. Olive is dorsal vagal. So olive can actually make somebody really sleepy as well. It's the whole like somebody's trying to go into that rest state. It can bring them even further into a place of sleepiness. So if you start taking olive because you find that you're just completely listless from the burnout, listless from the burnout, sorry. And if you find that it's causing you to be a little bit sleepier than you need, you may just want to take it in the evenings. You may want to take a little bit less of a dose. Normally for these things, it's four drops under the tongue a few times a day. But you might just do it once a day to start and bring yourself up to the place where you're doing it several times a day. You can also sip on a, uh, on a glass of water or you can put a few drops into a bottle of water and drink on that throughout the day. There are several different ways that you can try to use these different options to see what works best for you in the state that you're in. But when you have olive, if you can get yourself into a really rejuvenative rest type state where you're spending a few days, even if you're not going to a spa, maybe you're just at home, but you're giving yourself like a staycation where you're just going to rest, you're going to relax, you're going to cut the social media off, and you're just going to be, Olive can be a great friend during that time. So those are the five flower essences that I wanted to to talk about today. Agrimony, wild oat, rock rose, oak and olive. And next I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about rescue remedy and that's going to segue really well into the research I think Um, and I'll, I'll explain that a little more here in a moment. But rescue remedy is a blend of impatience, star of Bethlehem, cherry plum, rock rose, and clematis. So we've already talked about rock rose a little bit Impatience is what you use when somebody is feeling impatient. It, the name almost speaks for itself. Star of Bethlehem is wonderful in either recent or past traumas and helps to kind of people, that's, that's a real good one for integrating traumas. Again, read my book. It's got a lot of this information a lot more in depth. We just don't have enough time to dig, dig into this with the time that we do have. Cherry Plum is when somebody feels like they cannot relax because if they do, they're going to lose control. And clematis is for somebody who is just unable to get focused in the here and now. They're almost like withdrawn into another place. Rescue remedy is less constitutional like the other flower essences tend to be. And it's more situational when you're in a very stressful situation and when it's when it's something that you need in that moment for rescue at 911 dispatch I used to use it after very significant calls that was a go-to when there was a very um, strenuous call you would grab rescue remedy afterwards the blend was made to help us get through an immediate crisis now there is research that people have done on different flower essences including rescue remedy And one of the things that they did a research on for Rescue Remedy was whether or not it could help students with test anxiety. 
on the rescue remedy site. It mentions test anxiety, so I guess maybe that's where they came up with this. But I was taught that rescue remedy was for um, when you have a true shock occur. And for most people, test anxiety isn't a true shock. They know the test is coming. It's not a sudden pop quiz. Now, where we might try it, we might see more result is if there was a pop quiz. So like, like I'm hinting at here, obviously the research indicated that it did nothing. It didn't make that big of a difference, that there was no statistically significant difference for the students using it before a test. But maybe if we did it where it was a pop quiz instead of an expected test, we might see a difference there. And there are groups working to gather case studies. The Flower Essence Society is specifically working to try to gather more information and more research to understand not just Bach flower essences, but the other types of flower essence groups available. Because there appear to be many benefits to flower essences, but the current gold standard of research doesn't do them justice. And I'm going to get a little bit nerdy here. Stick with me. I believe that part of the problem is that our current gold standard of research is specifically an A or B test, right? If this, then this, right? And a lot of the times when we're talking about the more traditional approaches, more complementary medicine type approaches to things, we're talking from an angle of what does somebody's personalized constitution need? And it becomes a lot harder to do a double-blind, placebo-controlled study when everything has to be tailored to the individual. And you can do things, I, I studied this when I was working on my PhD because I have an interest in research. And you can do things such as, well, let's only have people with these constitutional markers, but then that creates such a small sample size, it becomes difficult to know if your results make sense or not. So where I love a good research study, I love things that give us more information about dosing and effectiveness and safety. I have accepted that when it comes to a lot of the work that we do, we're not going to have that. And flower essences for me is one of those things that we're not going to have good research for a long time because we're still trying to figure out how to create good research that's not biased, that can confound for the variables, but at the same time, recognize the need for the more personalized care. I have talked people into trying flower essences before who weren't interested, and by the time they were done taking it, they had totally changed their minds. So I know it's not just placebo. These things work for people. And when you're looking at flower essences and you're considering the things that you want to try, I encourage you to look into making your own flower essences. For the sake of time, I'm not going to dig too deep into it, but it's not very difficult. It usually consists of setting a bowl of water out into the sun with the flowers in it. Now, if the flowers are poisonous, the flowers might be in a separate bowl next to the bowl of water, or they might still be on the plant. But you let it set for a while, and then you dilute and succuss a couple of times. And once you're done, you have a dosage bottle that you can use for the drop dosing um, in tinctures, in teas, anything like that. So go look it up, do some research on how to make your own, and then think about the plants that are around you. What are the local native plants or maybe some of the invasive species that have kind of become part of the native landscape? Can you get some of the flowers from those plants this next spring? 
Can you create your own flower essences? Once you have them, can you use them a couple of times a day to see the response from your body? When we take time to connect with our local flora, it gives us a chance to really understand what we have around us and the emotional healing that doesn't just come from things like rock rose and olive, but the plants that are directly around us in our neighborhoods and in our parks and the places that we frequent and that we're in all the time. When we tune ourselves to those frequencies of our local plants, then we become more conscientious of our place as stewards. We become more connected and it makes for an easier healing time, especially when we can start seeing the medicinal qualities of some of the plants that are around us locally. So if this speaks to you, I encourage you to do some digging. I do have a manuscript in the works on flower essences and trauma healing, but of course, as you know, this spring, I'm going to be bringing out my trauma and essential oils book. So we got to get through that first before we dig too far into the flower essences. Thanks for listening. Next time, we're going to dig into meditation and some of the pros and cons of that, depending on where you are in your trauma journey. I hope you found it interesting and I look forward to catching you in the next episode.